You're home for Up and Adam in the Morning. It is The Crush, 92.5. Singer-songwriter, Suzanne Vega. Thinking of Tom's Diner, Luca, a lot more. She calling in. Is this her? Hi, is this Adam? Yeah, is this the other Susan Luz? This is Suzanne Vega, yes. How you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. Gosh, the Libero Theater. What a fun place to play. Suzanne Vega is going to be performing there September 28th. I know it's interesting because you're you're born in L.A., but really, you're a you're an East Coast, you're a New York City gal. Yes, I was born in Santa Monica, but came to New York City when I was two and a half, and have lived in Manhattan ever since. Obviously, you've been on the Central Coast or Santa Barbara before, I'm guessing? I believe I have, because I get a mental image. When I hear the word Santa Barbara, I kind of remember being there, but I could not tell you when. Yeah. I couldn't tell what year or what we were promoting, but I feel that I've been there before. But your listeners would probably know better than I. Yeah. <laughs> well, I imagine when, when things got really hot and heavy for you, I mean, I'm sure there are like international cities that you, you kind of have that same thought because you were just in a whirlwind with the music, right? I was, yes. Um, I toured and toured and toured, and, uh, and it was great. And I like touring, fortunately. So it's been my... My, it's what I do for my living. It's what I do. You've been writing poetry since you were a little girl. Mm-hmm. Poetry is so interesting because it's so free form. It can be whatever you want to make it. Sometimes songwriting feels like there's a little bit more restrictions, like you know, a little bit more of, of a formula. How did you kind of go from poetry in, into songwriting? And how much maybe did you feel? Wow, they're really not that much different. Or I could see ways where maybe you feel like they are. Oh, I feel they're different. Um, I really do. Uh, Something can work on a page and work beautifully there. And then the minute you say it out loud or you try to engage an audience with it, it falls flat. Um, That's happened over and over again. Uh, The things that make a really good song, and and conversely, you can have a song that's great and, and sing it and sing it and people love it. And then you look at the lyrics and they lie flat on the page and they look really silly. So they're really two different crafts. And I always loved songs and I think that my initial attempts at writing poetry, the world of songwriting excited me more than poetry. So I, I had to make a leap. It took me a long time to write my first song. Do you have those poems when you were a little girl? Can you go back to them and look at them? Oh yes, I do. <laughs> they're pretty funny, right? <laughs> yeah. I- well, you know, they're very young. I mean, I was very young. I was well, sure. Old. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I remember uh, like writing some of my first poems when I was like, probably like, I don't know, eight, probably the same age you're talking about, eight, nine, whatever. And yeah. um, I remember one of them was called Silly Dreams, and it was so it was so stupid. You look back now, you're like, well, you're a kid, whatever. But then I and I kind of like put it to a melody, and then I got older, and I realized that because my dad liked doo-wop, it was pretty much in the melody to the Skyliners since I don't have you. So it was like, you know, even at a young age when you think you're creating something, you're still very much influenced by a lot, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And furthermore, uh, sometimes you, when you start something young, you end with a sort of motif that re- repeats throughout your life. And I think I had a poem that went something like, I stand by myself, not lonely at all, and listen to the wild birds beckon and call or something, even though I lived on 102nd Street and there weren't that many wild birds. Um, but the, the idea of the, the lonely character standing 
you know, I mean, 25 years later, that's solitude standing, basically. You can a different form. That's so cool. I love that. Um, poems don't have to rhyme, right? Or do you, did you like yours to rhyme? Oh, I had all kinds of poems. Um, I went through a phase in my teens where I was like, I don't need to make it rhyme. I can do what I want. And I had a lot of freeform stuff. I loved, loved E.E. E. Cummings. And I, I loved what he did with Page and what he did without his, uh, you know, the fact that he had no capital and the weird punctuation. So I was sort of influenced by him for a while. So, but, you know, I think for a song, it really helps to have that good rhythm and it helps to have that good rhyme. Yeah. I mean, these days, there's all kinds of rhymes. There's slant rhymes and all kinds of rhymes. I prefer a true rhyme, but I will go for a slant rhyme. You know, like diner and corner don't really rhyme, but right. they sort of fit together neatly. So No, no, I, sure. I love that. that. Yeah. Suzanne Vega is up in Adam in the morning. Going to continue Want to get into all the music. Tom's Diner, Luca, the stories behind these songs. Really incredible. We'll do it next when Suzanne Vega continues up and Adam in the morning. You're home for up and Adam in the morning. It is the Crush 92.5. Suzanne Vega, Libero Theater, Santa Barbara, Wednesday, September 28th. Uh, Suzanne is uh, kind enough to be up and Adam in the morning right now. Can we talk about some of these big songs? Yeah, sure. Okay, so obviously, uh, Luca. My name is Luca. I live on the second floor. I live upstairs from you. Yes, I think you've seen me before. Um, mm-hmm. I like how you said it's not a song about an issue. It's really a song about a kid. And you weren't trying to make some big public service announcement about, you know, child abuse or anything. You were really just kind of making a story about a young man. I was, yes. And the, the thing is, though, when my manager picked that song out, he, he was the one who saw the potential of it being a hit because I did not. Um, I wrote it, as you said, as a small portrait. Um, and he said, he said, this is a song about an issue. And we need songs about an issue in the 80s because he felt that, that uh, you know, he was passionate about his songs in the 70s that were about issues. And he felt that they were very uh, influential. And I had my doubts um, about the efficiency of, of songs and whether they actually made any difference at all. Um, so we had a big argument about it. Um, but then at the end of the argument, I said, well, go ahead. You know, just, I think I used the phrase, knock yourself out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with the, <laughs> with, which they did. Um, so, so two years later, we have the song and it's service radio and whoa, it became this huge hit. Um, so he was correct. He was correct that it was actually a song about an issue. Um, but I had written it with a much smaller um, vision. A much more like deliberate, specific vision. I like that. You know, I'm so interested in this song. Not only is it, you know, one of your most popular songs, but the song for the subject matter is one of the most actively produced songs on that album. I mean, you got drums, you got synth, the whole thing. Talk about that juxtaposition, what that meant for you. I was for it. Um, I felt that if we really were going to service this radio, that it should sound, it should sound right. When you talk about the synth, that's Anton Sanko on synthesizer there, on keyboards, and that was his audition. We gave him a copy of the demo, and we said, "What would you do with this song?" And what you hear on the song is what he submitted as his audition. No way. Dun, dun. That was Anton Sanko's yeah. idea. And the minute I heard that, I thought, wow, okay, you're in. Thank you. And he joined the band 
Um, and I, I was really happy with the orchestration. I had written it in a major key on purpose so that it wouldn't be just a sad boy feeling sorry for himself. Right. I wanted it to be a kind of more matter-of-fact song with the drums and John Gordon's guitar, which was is sort of very U2 influenced, I think. That for that solo, it sounds more triumphant than I meant it to sound. But on the other hand, you know, we were going for radio, so uh, and and as I told Ron to knock himself out, I mean, <laughs> they did. So uh, I was okay with that. And the first time I heard it on the radio, I thought, wow, that that really sounds that sounds really great. Now there really was a Luca that lived above you. There was a Luca who lived above me who was not an abused child. But that part of belongs elsewhere. But um, but were the parents know, like were the parents of Luca like, hey Suzanne, this sucks. Like you wrote the, <laughs> we're not abusing the kid. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how Luca's parents felt, but I do know that Luca himself, a few years later, brought a girl downstairs. I lived on the first floor. I lived on the ground floor, so everybody lived upstairs for me. Um, so uh, he came down with this girl, and he said, uh, "Could you?" He said to my roommate, "Could you tell this girl that Suzanne Vega really did used to live here?" So apparently, he had told this girl that I had lived downstairs from him, and that um, he was the model in the song. No and I way! Just didn't believe, it. and so he brought her downstairs to be told that I really did live there. He was using the song to pick up chicks. I, I, think, <laughs> I think he has been doing that. Uh, so that's, that's all I know about uh, the model for the song. I love that. Getting the lowdown behind Luca. Suzanne Vega, she is up and at him in the morning. Right, coming up next, we got to do it. <laughs> yes, everything you wanted to know about Tom's Diner. When Suzanne Vega continues, she is up and at him in the morning. You're home for up and at him in the morning. It is the Crush 92.5. Suzanne Vega is up and at him in the morning. We talked about Luca. I want to talk about Tom's Diner. Can you take us to the creation of Tom's Diner? Okay, I'll do that. Um, well, first of all, there is a Tom's Diner. Uh, it's called Tom's Restaurant. And it's at 112th Street and Broadway. So it's the Manhattan one, not the Brooklyn one. Um, there is one in Brooklyn that someone, not me, wrote out the lyrics and they framed it and they have it on the wall and they've had it there since 1987. It's not my handwriting. And so I don't know who put that up there. It's, it's the genuine Tom Steiner is the one on 112th and Broadway. So I used to eat there and I was struck by a comment that a, a friend of mine had made. Uh, one of my dearest friends is a photographer, and his name is Brian Rose. And we were talking, as we often did, about life and how we saw life, and he said that he felt that he saw the world through a pane of glass, and that sometimes he felt he didn't really feel connected to life except through this pane of glass. So I was thinking about that as a sort of dramatic monologue, a point of view, uh, I was studying theater at the time, and I had this course called The Dramatic Monologue. So I thought, what if I wrote a whole song with this kind of romantically alienated point of view of a person who is not really involved with life? You know, he's, and, I, and I did it in almost granular detail because I was also thinking of film. I was thinking of um, Truffaut and some of that new wave 
uh, films where it's sort of grainy black and white and they're long, slow scenes of what seems to be ordinary life. Um, so that, that was my thought. And then it, I started walking down the street after eating there one day and the, the melody popped into my head. And I thought, oh, I'm going to call this Tom Steiner. And then I worked out this little story of an alienated person. I had imagined him to be male because I was thinking of Brian. Um, and who doesn't really feel involved in anything until the very end of the song when there's a memory of someone's voice. And it's so affecting to this person that they have to just put it aside and get on with their day. Mm. You know, what's funny is I go to Google Maps and I hit up 112th and Broadway. You made mm -hmm. Tom's Diner famous before Seinfeld. Right. It's the same restaurant. It's the same restaurant. Yeah, I remember looking, uh, watching Seinfeld, you know, back in the day and going, oh, that looks familiar. Right, yeah. Uh, no way. I love that. Well... I mean, what's the process? Obviously, you, you talked about the melody. Normally, is, is it writing first? I mean, some of these songs you did a cappella, and, and then I'm curious, like, when did, like, the... Da, 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 when did that come into picture? Well, I did a cappella because I had heard this sort of tinkly piano sound in my mind. I wanted it to be like a French film. Um, but I didn't, at that point, you know, I was still working a day job. I didn't know any arrangers, or I, didn't, I don't think I even knew anybody who played piano. Um, so I started to sing it a cappella just because I wanted to sing it. And it worked really well a cappella. I mean, I think I could get anybody to turn around and listen to what I was singing when I did that song. Um, I even sang it at Wembley Arena um, in 1986 in front of like 10,000 people, and it worked. So we decided to record it that way, a cappella, just a vocal. And then in the remix, in 1990, DNA took it and remixed it. And they took the, I did a little tag where I was just going to da 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 da, -da at the end. The uh, Nick Vat, who did the remix, took that and made it into a hook. And they put a beat behind it. And they released it. And at first, A&M wanted to sue them for copyright infringement, and then I stepped in and said, no, let's buy the right to it and just release it and see how it does. And to my surprise, again, it went really, it went, it, it went what we call now viral. So you just threw that, da, 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 you just did that at the end. They took it, looped it throughout the song and made it like basically a chorus. Exactly. I mean, that would never have occurred to me, but they did it. And uh, they made a, a, a hook out of it. I mean, the hook was there. Right. I was using it as a hook, but they heard the hook and they did that. And now it's interpolated like it's still even recently there were two like this summer that were all over the place we got suzanne vega giving us all the deets on tom's diner luca and more singer songwriter suzanne vega up and at him in the morning